Hello and welcome to the Ballot Box global election coverage from the team of political scientists. I'm Jonathan Parker in London. I'm Chris Terry in Manchester. I'm Andres Besser in New York City. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Ballot Box. Today we're going to talk about um, green parties in general. Kind of, we're going to, uh, we've, we've brought some reflections around green parties where they are successful, what might be driving their success, and, and why we need probably more of them given the, um, the climate uh, crisis that, that the world's experiencing. It's a really interesting topic. I think it's, it's been kind of understudied by academic literature, but um, we, we have some thoughts on it. And there's definitely some you know, interesting developments in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So that's this is the it's going to be a, a great show um, and an interesting one, a pertinent one for for the well, um, extremely topical for listeners in the UK. Is it as I'm imagining, like me and Chris at this very moment, you've all got fans in the background because of the uh, the unusually hot. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, did, I did not live in Manchester because I want to be hot. I live in Manchester because I want to be dank and cool and rained on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, so, yeah, you guys. I mean, there was record-breaking temperatures in the UK. There, there have been the whole summer droughts mm-hmm. in Western Europe, mm-hmm. um, forest fires in the US and in Europe. Um, also, you know, a historic drought in Mexico, where I'm from, in the Northeast, and and very, you know, it, water water levels were dangerously low, and water was rationed rationed in Mexico's third largest city. Um, so, and it, I feel like as the weather gets more extreme, news that, you know, stories that would have made the news and would have been like major headlines have now receded into kind of a background constant set of headlines yeah, yeah. during the summer months, um, which is kind of yeah. scary. I, and so, I think it's also kind of briefly worth mentioning as well that there's a kind of relevance to the cost of living crisis that's going on because that's being driven by energy prices and of course there's a relationship between environmental policy and, and energy as well. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it does feel like a kind of big meta issue lurking behind lots of things. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And maybe we should circle back at the end to uh, is this the uh, is this the time of the Green Party? Will they will they prosper in the coming decades? Because mm. we have, I mean, I think this is probably it's a bit of over-egged, but we have started to talk about a bit of a green wave in the last few years in, in Western mm. Europe and Green Party's notching up like record shares of the vote and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, so maybe, uh, yeah, maybe something to maybe something to address before we finish as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I would also I would add to that question that I think we should answer towards the end. Um, like, why does why does democracy take so long to come up with solutions um, to major issues and, and whether or not it'll come, you know, is this like one of the solutions to climate change and green parties, et cetera. Um, great, good. So big, big issues to be discussed here. So what would you guys, I mean, uh, so I already know you guys are hot and uh, <laughs> extreme weather. <laughs> Any other news to report from, from the UK? My my brain doesn't work at the moment because of being so hot, <laughs> so I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 
Um, mm-hmm. no, not really anything significant. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly uneventful. I mean, it's August. It's fairly uneventful, really. I, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, 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 we're enjoying the Conservative leadership contest trundling mm-hmm. on in the background, um, which is mostly featuring both contenders seemingly having a race to see who can embarrass themselves more. Mm. Um, which has been very enjoyable um, <laughs> if slightly frightening <laughs> and, I, and I imagine as is this probably the same in the US that everyone is freaking about the prospect of the winter's energy bills um, which is which is sort of taking hold of the most of the headlines at the moment but which is a topic which seems like weirdly absent from the conservative leadership election um, mm. which I suppose is what's on most people's mind at the moment but, but is not yeah. well, think, not really are- in fairness, things are a lot better in the US. Um, mm-hmm. This this month, the US recorded zero inflation. <laughs> which, okay. <laughs> good for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wish that were me. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that was a, that was a kind of. I, it seems like it's a possible sign that the Fed's uh, policy worked, which was yes. to slow down the economy without tripping it into a recession, because there was a lot of jobs, but less, but no inflation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there... and I think fundamentally as well, the Americans are less reliant on um, on yeah. mm-hmm. Russian, Russia and Ukraine for energy and food exports. So, right, right, right. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. No, in the US, um, there was just a big climate bill that was passed. Um, mm-hmm. was of course, bill. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's still far short from what uh, people like Bernie Sanders or um, AOC wanted. And and they would be like the most, I think, ecologically kind of minded of the of the legislators in in the U.S. But it was it was something. I mean, the the there hadn't been a bill to address climate change at this scale ever in the in the United States. So yeah, no, it's, it's a significant piece of legislation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. But so so, what would you guys think if you had to kind of put it in a few words? What is it? What is a Green Party? They do meld into other types of parties on either end. I think, and obviously we can, um, if we take the kind of uh, Mayor and Ruder approach to classifying a party family, um, then we can look at like, obviously the names, lots of, and we will know that this is not foolproof and Andres will know, especially this is not a foolproof way to identify what a green party is. Um, and also think about like their, their membership. So we have a European green party, we have a global greens organization as well, um, which sort of have, their kind of certified members that are joined up to them, um, which will provide a pretty good list of um, of the green parties in existence. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they all they all hold like a few some common, almost all hold sort of a common uh, kind of ideological themes, um, although they're not always in exactly the same place on the political spectrum. So there's uh, we could say I mean there's sort of sort of could say environmentalism, but I think it's the original. Um, it's a bit different. It's it, there's this uh, what we would call ecologism, which is mm. is a kind of a, it's postmodern, right? So it's like the rejecting to a certain extent or completely economic growth and this kind of idea that there can be sort of continuous sort of rising kind of growth and prosperity, um, and that this is sort of coming at the cost of the planet. So we need to sort of find a new way of living more sustainably. Whereas I suppose an environmentalist could be someone anywhere in politics who just sort of cares about doing things which are more kind of environmentally friendly and doesn't know quite as much. Mm. So yeah, they usually come with a kind of a probably a kind of postmodern sort of value set as well and be kind of quite sort of 
socially libertarian, I guess, um, tend to think about them being very friendly to like decentralization, um, I guess as well. But then, yeah, but then otherwise there's a lot of leeway for them to be spread. So probably thinking about them being kind of most of the time on the sort of center left, but there's obviously a big spread on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Want to add anything onto that, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd broadly say that, um, that they're the children of the 60s in a way um <laughs> like they're they're the most green green parties basically have their roots in in the kind of post-material kind of new left struggles of the, of the 60s and that that's obviously not true of all of them you know particularly ones that for example arose in countries that have citizens and then countries which perhaps weren't democracies in the 60s and things like that um but um the ones that for example the german green party have a very strong relationship with what in germany is called the 68ers the kind of generation like a lot of their leaders were 68ers and yeah as yeah and so yeah they combines together kind of a bunch of culturally liberal groups i tend to kind of think in terms of like kip shelves writing about um like left libertarian parties which is basically mm-hmm. what he calls green parties um uh, almost all the parties talking about are green parties. There's a few kind of parties that would describe themselves as liberal, like the um, D, like D66 and the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. But, but broadly, most of what he's talking about were, um, were were green parties. So yeah, I tend to think of those terms as kind of post-materialist, um, kind of, and therefore with a kind of although they're typically on the center left with a voting group which is typically a bit more middle class but you know public sector middle class kind of new Mm. professionals people like academics and (laughs) civil servants and teachers and yeah yeah people who are yeah if you're imagining the typical place that's voting for a, it's probably like a university town, right? It's yeah, probably yeah. like the typical place where a green party is doing well, um, yeah. and yeah, and 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 thriving, um, yeah. Lots of it tends to be among the young, sort of university educated, etc. Um, yeah, and yeah, those who are those who are well off enough to sort of think um, about this and not be as concerned with kind of cost of living. It's sort of uh in sort of cross living issues first and foremost as well i guess um as well yeah yeah um, yeah uh, often yeah often quite bohemian voters yeah mm-hmm. you look at places with big green parties where they're voted like um the german green party like its best seat in the of the first part of both seats in the Bundestag is it's the one that covers kreuzberg in in berlin a famously mm-hmm. kind of radical kind of bohemian part of berlin full of like punk bars and all sorts of lights <laughs> um so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the, the Inglehart's uh concept of post-materialism mm. which was this idea that voters after the the kind of large large growth of uh western capitalist you know capitalist societies in the post world war ii era increasing an increasing number of voters took um economic security kind of for granted especially middle class mm-hmm. people and so they began focusing on what he called like post-materialist values and among these was um the protection of the environment um mm. along with with another kind of group of things but 
I mean, this is a kind of weird um, label to to put green parties under at this moment when when now it's actually they have the biggest claim to being the parties that that actually care about very material things now, like the the survival of the <laughs> of human civilization, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the habitability of the earth, and yeah. avoiding e- ecological collapse. So it's kind of interesting that that they would be, you know, that, that, that this, this still kind of influences. And, and I think he was right in saying that these were post-materialist uh, voters. But it, right now, when the signs of ecolo- ecological disaster and crisis are so palpable and, and they're affecting um, more and more people, um, it seems like um, they're no longer post-material, right? They're like very much um, about yeah. what's actually yeah. driving a lot of things i mean yeah the post-material label i think was always a little bit odd because i mean obviously these things have relation mm. to material conditions for at least some people um always you know there have always been people yeah like anti-war pro-war there are people for whom that have been like <laughs> that, that obviously have um obviously have material concerns to do with war Uh, feminism obviously has relation relationship with um labor and who accesses labor and who who is preferenced in um historically women were not treated well in the workplace and still aren't in in many ways um uh yeah yeah, etc etc like but every single thing in post-materialism can have a material aspect to it Mm -hmm. um really Definitely. yeah mm-hmm. but but green parties are generally as as chris rightly put it like the children of the 60s it mm-hmm. doesn't come mm-hmm. from this like ancient um cleavage mm-hmm. or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and they yeah, and- there was this sort of mm-hmm. idea when sort of ecologism was kind of coming up that the other ideology that all of the other ideologies were like the what was called the gray ideologies at the time mm-hmm. where they were all about economic growth and industrialization and destroying the, map, the planet both liberalism and socialism and this was something kind of kind of new um although yeah as i said many of them have adopted platforms which are fairly consistent with what we would imagine as like social democracy i guess in in many yeah. regards or um, all social yeah. liberalism yes or, yeah, yeah yeah depending on the the flavor of them um because we were thinking about like eco-socialism has become one of the big trends which has mm. the kind of more explicitly yeah. socialist kind of alignment and views like capitalism as the um yeah. as the root of of plus sort of environmental destruction um primarily yeah um yeah yeah and it's always the case that all ideologies have to interact with others at some point mm. and will take take stuff on from them and so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's not surprising that it, yeah greens end up mm. mixing stuff with other stuff yeah, and there was originally a, some sort of movements in this period of like very sort of conservative aligned or sort of in other respects, because if you think about like traditional conservatism is not so far removed from this in its terms mm. of like being a reasonably like kind of anti-capitalist in some ways and wanting to like wanting to conserve basically and, and preserve things. I mean, like the Austrian Greens and also the um, the Belgian Greens also had some input early on from um from sort of a, a sort of nascent sort of conservative green parties that have merged into them and sort of reflected a, a bit of a split mm. parties over time although they're both now firmly kind of center-left vehicles um as well so this is not like a, a completely absent trend and there's certainly been um 
kind of uh, sort of Christian movements as well that were kind of environmentalists very strongly that have been influencing mm. the parties in some areas as well. Um, so there's mm. not, yeah, there's there's numerous kind of ways into this kind of politics, I guess, as well. It's probably something. Yeah, and, and different countries as well kind of came to this in different ways too. Like, so uh, people talk less about like the Australian Greens who are kind of interesting, but like they're one of the major green parties really. I'm also mm. one of the oldest ones. And and that was a much more ecologically focused origin point, which has now become kind of uh, kind of almost basically left of Australian Labour mm. um, because of the fact that Australia has all these kind of tremendous natural resources and, and, and natural kind of features, and that's part of like Australian national identity mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, on the and the on the flip side, there's the 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 Dutch Green Party, the Green Left, Green Left, which is a merger of several left wing parties, mm. which were not originally. I mean, there was one one of these kind of Christian left parties which had a quite a strong record on this, but this was the yeah, they, yeah. and then said yeah, that they I've, were gonna gonna yeah. sort of promote this, and they've ended up being more or less a standard Green Party without that much differentiation from. The other yeah. parties in the in the in the in Western Europe, yeah, maybe a little bit more left wing, but mm. yeah, not by much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that that in part I would say is because of the existence of D sixty six, which mm-hmm. as I reference with Kitchell is also in the kind of left libertarian kind of space, and therefore kind of a competitor party. I think one reason why perhaps the the Greens in the UK haven't taken off until fairly recently, besides the obvious facts of the electoral system, is that the Lib Dems have taken on bits of that at times too. They've, they've had a very clear kind of, I mean, obviously they've had a kind of social liberal pitch. They've also, you know, frequently been of the three main parties, the one with the kind of clearest like, environmentalist identity. So, yeah, I think they probably took some votes, which... Um, in other countries would have gone to a Green Party. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think that's probably an important point about kind of crossovers is that it can go mm-hmm. both ways. Yeah, uh, It doesn't have to be the case that you know, Greens can take on aspects of other parties, but also other parties can take on Green themes and kind of perhaps rob them of space mm-hmm. that perhaps to develop. Yeah. So what... Yeah, it seems like... Yeah, oh, sorry, just on that... Um... Merkel, Merkel kind of taking over the anti-nuclear agenda mm. um, in, mm. in Germany seems like a case of like a party or, you know, very established political party taking over parts of the agenda of like the, the Greens. Um, yeah. 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 Well, that was a particular moment in time where the Greens were at that point holding their best ever. Um, so Merkel basically just did it to kneecap them in the moment. so um yeah and it it is worth referencing on that uh, because i know a few people will point this out um (laughs) nuclear power (laughs) um a lot of people uh, for for very well evidenced reasons and and frankly i agree with them so i'll argue that more nuclear power is required to um deal with uh, deal with climate Mm -hmm. change and therefore get a bit antsy that green parties don't Absolutely, like but yeah, uh, I, but it, I think it's important to remember that 
they were ecologist parties first. Like the ecologist movement was long anti-nuclear. Yes. The German Greens in particular being and, anti-nuclear became came before mm. really a climate change focus. The yeah, and this is why we need rel- to remember relatively that. recent. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. No, why we need to remember that difference between like the ecologism and the environmentalism, like that they mm. they they are somewhat different in some ways. Like you can mm. still be an environmentalist and believe in like economic growth, etc., and basically want a world fairly similar, but that just tries to do a bit more to keep the environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think if you if you're thinking about, I know mean, this is a UK example again, but if you think about the sort of project to build um, the HS2, the new high speed rail rail link, that that has caused a that causes some disruption within the Green Party. Um, well, the most of them, their instinct is to oppose because on the grounds that this is sort of uh, it has to be built through sort of ancient woodland, etc., and places. Um, for a, a substantial minority, this is well, mm. this is going to take cars off the roads because it's there to kind of increase the the amount of, yeah, sort yeah. of trains which can be run, which is a obviously a net good to the environment overall um on that yeah. sense so that's kind of sort of strains in that that ideology in places yeah yeah the question of conservation versus mm-hmm. anti-climate change i mean yeah it, it given recent events it feels very natural that things it, the concern is drifting much more towards climate change and mm-hmm. other environmental issues but for green parties the the, the other environmental issues are still a priority yeah definitely mm. yeah um so yeah what what do we think so obviously we've said these these vary across the spectrum in many ways mm. um what where where do we think some of the more leftist ones some of the more centrist ones some of the more right-wing ones are are located um where do we think what some of the more left-wing greens are to start off with i'm gonna go italy yeah. <laughs> italy you know, it's not one that tends to come up much People don't talk about the Italian Greens very much. There's a party called the Federation of the Greens, and at one point it was quite strong. It, 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 I think, I think in 2006 it got like seven or eight percent of the vote out of fairly decent showing. It was always very, very much on the left. Um, but it, it, I f- think basically the Democratic Party, the kind of big movement to kind of try and create a kind of unified centre-left party, stole. Mm some of their kind of more moderate members um and right now it's part of a coalition with parties of the far left mm. like the communists and so on um so yeah and that's something that you seem to find in in southern europe a little bit like yeah because the, the the equo in spain as well has always been allied well mostly allied with um with mm. them as, um, or the, yeah. or the United Left. The, 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 yeah. the, the Greek Greens basically mm. merged into Syriza, although I think they merged, I think they then left it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I struggle to keep track. They were having a moment where they looked like it would be strong mm. and yeah, all yeah. sorts of nonsense happened. And of course, the, the original portuguese green party because there's now essentially a new one on the block which we discussed in our portugal episode um lever but the, the party actually called the portuguese green party is is in a kind of permanent alliance with the portuguese communists mm-hmm. um so yeah i think southern europe is probably one of the places where they're most leftist mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah 
yeah, no, I didn't say. I mean, I'd also say the greens of the UK as well are probably yes reason yeah. on the left and the positioning as well although and yeah i don't know i have to get sort of hints that they're trying to pursue at the moment a bit there's more there's certainly in terms of vibes kind of i think yeah in the very least in terms of the vibes that they're putting mm. out perhaps yeah. not if you actually sat down and read the policy program mm-hmm. but certainly certainly they're trying to pitch as a kind of more moderate party mm-hmm. and then they historically have and and that's in part because they're if you actually look at where they're coming up now, it's it's a much more of a patchwork than it was. It used to be the case that you basically only see greens in like university areas in Labour safe seats. And now you're starting to see greens in the UK winning in like shire seats that uh shire wards that like have been conservative for absolutely ever. Um and, and I think that kind of almost comes back around to the, like what you were saying earlier about um the ways in which conservatism and um a forms of conservationism can align i think yeah. i think there's a little bit of pitching in those terms as the lines like almost a kind of tolkien view of england of oh <laughs> like, like, like just people like sat smoking pipes and watching cricket and like, like uh, <laughs> drinking warm ale mm. um under, under trees like, no, the, the there's industry. there's definitely something like that. There's a version of that in the U.S. Sometimes mm-hmm. called the Roosevelt um, conservationists. Yeah, right? yeah. Like mm-hmm. he was a he was a hunter. He loved the American outdoor. Yeah. Although, like, Ro- yeah, Roosevelt was basically the last of the. Although, yeah, Roosevelt was basically the last of the progressive Republicans. So, like, yeah, people people forget that he was actually basically of the left. I'll <laughs> be <laughs> yeah, centre left, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's mm. this sort of um out, you know, wilderness. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sort of wilderness mm. that's part of like the American kind of ethos for, for for many Americans can be translated into a conservative type of like yeah, environmentalism. Yeah. Although yeah, yeah. obviously the Republican Party is getting um as with so many things in the United States, more and more aligned and polarized. And so mm. there's Less and less of, of that in the yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I'd say those see the also the Swiss Greens have a bit of reputation for being a bit to the left um partly because in Switzerland there is two green parties um there is mm. the Greens of kind of like sort of left oriented one and then there are the Green Liberal Party as well um which sort of kind of sort of center to center right I guess kind of um yeah, yeah. and combines which is a kind of split and uh sort of has a has a more economically liberal platform um as we suggest and so yeah they have uh just manifested the divisions within two separate parties there um yeah 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 so this is a kind of interesting case because yeah i think strategies there are just different because of the fact that Mm. it's they don't have a they don't organize governments in the way that we normally Mm -hmm. would and so yeah parties are essentially lobbying mechanisms of a sort so yeah yeah what what about further towards the center then generally what are the more sort of center left uh, center green parties yeah i mean i think i think most green parties are now kind of moving towards a kind of position broadly similar to kind of a social liberal party really mm-hmm. often often being kind of like pitching slightly left of centre, but not far enough left of centre that they can't do coalition with the centre-right if necessary. So like, 
the Austrian Greens, for example, are right now in coalition coalition with um, the centre-right party in Austria. Um, despite being historically, I probably would have called the Austrian Greens from the more left-wing parties. Mm. Um, the, the German Greens are clearly moving in that direction. They weren't kind of... It, it, uh, my feeling is that the Social Democrats are still very much their preferred coalition partner when that option is available, but they're obviously increasingly happy to do coalition. They do a lot of, of CDU coalitions at the state level, like in particular. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 yeah, and it's almost always a case that for some reason the SPD option wasn't viable. Mm. Um, when that happens, but they're they're happy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and and ultimately, I think as well, if you're an environmentally focused party and you think that climate change is the most important issue facing the planet right now, that's probably a sensible position to be in because if you can be a coalition partner to anyone to any other parties that can feasibly lead government, then you have a chance to mm-hmm. kind of modify that, modify things on that issue. Yeah, there's time pressure in this policy area, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily exist for policy areas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, which I suppose is what the Irish Greens have done at the moment as well. Um, yeah, no, and, and the Irish yeah. Greens are another one that I would describe as being um, as being very close to centre. The Irish Greens are have a particularly how can I put this kindly? I can't put it kindly. They have a particularly bourgeois um, <laughs> voter base. Um, that's the only way I can really put it. The, the, the Irish Greens have a particularly, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. they win. They're, they're basic. They're they're basically in competition with Peter Gale, which is the party of mm-hmm. of of wealthy. Um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suppose before i should have mentioned it as well as they um some like non-european for the for the more left parties i think the like the the new zealand and the australian ones which we've already mentioned yeah are probably are also pretty successful examples of green parties but are probably more to the left as well and take that kind of like left of labor position um as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, the, the fact that there's basically an absence of competitor parties to left of Labour, I yeah. think it's probably part of what gives them the ability to hold that position. Also, the fact that in Australia in particular, the right is really bad on the environment. Oh. <laughs> so they can't really get in, like the Green Australian Greens, I think, would always be betraying their principles if they try to get into a position where they could easily do deals with the Liberals because the Liberals are just not good on environmental issues. <laughs> there is another way of putting it. Yeah, um, even yeah, they're as bad as like the Republicans, right? In terms of like climate change denial and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not denial at this point. It's more, but it's the kind of the thing that thing that seems to be happening in kind of right wing circles where people um, don't want to do environmental policy anymore. Is that they just start talking up the costs of like net zero? Oh, net zero by twenty fifty is going to be terribly expensive. Well, yeah, but so is um, dealing with hundreds yeah. of millions of <laughs> refugees from Bangladesh yeah. and other low lying countries. Um, that's not going to that's going to be costly too, and and you know the cost of increased hurricanes and yeah, you know, other sorts of, sort of things. 
yeah, I just think like like climate change is gonna is gonna involve a hell of a lot of state intervention. I mean, this is not, mm. and it's gonna involve quite a lot of immigration as well. So for, for the parties on the right, I mean, there's really like not too much um, if you value your ideological leanings. Um, mm. it sort it out. I mean, really, um, would be would, would be the would be the message. Mm. I think. Like, yeah, I mean, Bernie Sanders has a really good talking point on this. He always says, like, the Green New Deal is said to cost a lot, but the cost of inaction is much higher. Yeah. Like, it's going to cost a lot compared to what? Um, not acting in the next 30 years is going to be extremely expensive for, mm. for societies and for the government. Yeah. 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 Um, another kind of interesting kind of centrist yeah, kind of centrist party is the Green Alliance in Colombia. And mm. they've, they've had to, I mean, they're not exclusively, I mean, they're, they're green parties. They're, it's a green party in the sense that it, it was born as a kind of yeah, environmental, um, a party with environmental concerns. But now it's, it, it has, it's a kind of progressive party and it has, you know, you know a, a sophisticated agenda mm-hmm. on lots of different points. It, it, it actually managed to, to to um to get into the second round of the presidential um election in 2010 by um it had a very famous candidate who had been the mayor of bogota whose name is antonanas mocos yes Um, my my partner constantly says she wants to talk to you about mocos because he he's a philosopher and she because she has a philosophy undergrad she she read his work and was very interested yeah he was he was i mean he's he's a he's a really interesting figure he was the mayor of Bogota. he has a philosopher he was the he was the rector of the main university he's he's also in he's also the the children of immigrants of lithuanian immigrants which is why his his name sounds more like i guess it sounds it sounded greek to me until i learned he was uh of lithuanian um Mm. yeah he's an interesting figure and the the green alliance in colombia has done less and less well um and it, and it got only about three percent of the vote in the last yeah election. yeah but i think it's some, a part yeah, yeah there's been some infighting hasn't there um didn't, didn't Mokos send up leaving and saying that he wouldn't vote for his own party anymore <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of infighting yeah for sure and they ended up um choosing as a candidate a guy called pajardo who is mm. um he's he's also quite i think he's he, rightly be called bourgeois and very middle class more than middle mm. class you know mm. more than middle class for sure um so he was he's not a very popular candidate in the sense that he, he didn't i think he couldn't extend his base very widely but he's definitely considered a kind of moral um uh, kind of moral opposition right so he keeps he keeps the progressives in check because he's he's a kind of purist in a way he doesn't go into alliance coalitions with uh, shady people in Colombian politics, but that means that he only got 3% of the vote. Um, but, you know, but I think another reason why they've, they've done less well, you, despite being centrist and ostensibly, you know, being able to get a larger part of the vote is because the um, Petros party actually took up, a, took up a, a lot of the ecological mm-hmm. agenda and, and he's, which is fortunate and, and we're lucky that uh that an important left-wing candidate would have taken up the ecological agenda because in latin america oftentimes the left doesn't you know doesn't really care for for environmental mm. policies or conservation mm-hmm. so the, i would put them in the center mm-hmm. 
what about turning to the uh, turning to the center right? Um, so wow. we have yeah we have one that we should we should talk about um, before that. I just wanted to mention that if we look to the Eastern Europe, these parties are not necessarily super successful most of the time, but no. they tend to be more of a center to center right than. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, uh, if you're coming from a frame that I tend to adopt of, of green parties that are more defined by cultural liberalism than by um, in, in ideological terms, that kind of makes sense because in Central Eastern Europe um, and lots of Central Eastern European countries, um, the, the, the right in inverted commas tends to be more socially liberal than the left in Pentecost. Which is like, yeah, which is basically to do with the legacies of communism and capitalism and 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 um in some cases to do with um in some cases to do with for example the structures of of um the economies and societies. Yeah. So like the Czech Republic had a had a pretty um successful uh, had a green party of some note which um got i got into that position the latvian greens i think are the only european green party to officially so yeah it's the latvian greens um to have held the prime ministership um yeah although they've uh, now been expelled from the european greens i believe yes i was going to say they're actually a very weird green party and and it's kind of a specifically latvian Latvian phenomenon in a way. Basically, um, Latvia uh, uh, has a kind of thing of um, like environmentalism being attached to the idea of like small farms. There's actually kind of, it, and it's part of this alliance with this um, farmers' party. So, uh, and it's actually the smaller part like, in this alliance. And so, the first point is they're environmentalists of a sort, but Apart from that, they don't. It's actually quite a conservative party. Yeah. Um, even in comparison to other um, Central and Eastern European Green parties. Um, second is that the Union of Peasants and Greens, to put it delicately, is generally considered one of the more corrupt parties in Latvia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, kind of attached to. Um, an oligarch of some repute, <laughs> um, which um, tends to happen with some of the the the, the parties in Latvia, which are um, kind of considered more controversial. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this is still true, but for a very long time, Latvia didn't have a system of party funding, um, any public public party funding whatsoever, and so um, parties were often reliant on on very wealthy people. Um, which obviously created some problems. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And then beyond that in Central and Eastern Europe, they don't have many that have the title Green Party, but uh, uh, but a lot of them, but a lot of the kind of new left, left, lib, uh, sorry, new liberal parties that are kind of coming up that are kind of fighting on anti-corruption have a kind of very strong environment to this land. Mm. Uh, the Union to Save Romania, for example, which is the one that, for obvious reasons, I know best, um, basically 
to some, it can trace some of its origin to the Rosha Montana protests, which were to do with um, opposition to a gold mining project in in um, mountains of Romania, and that brought together kind of a weird coalition of like environmentalists and like and nationalists <laughs> um, because it was both an area of some beauty, but also an area that was home to um, to very well preserved Roman gold mines. Um, so, uh, so obviously the ancestors of the Romanians were lying in sleep below the mountain and did not want to be disturbed by cyanide. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, um, so yeah, and then but I would also should also mention that there are a couple of um, one, uh, ones that I would describe as more left wing. Um, so. Um, there's a kind of new movement in um, the Croatia that's coming up, mm-hmm. which is I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's remember the European Green Party, and it's it's very much of the left. Um, it's kind of classic. Yeah, I, I've mentioned this before, but Yugoslavia seems former Yugoslavia. Sorry, sorry to any Croats listening. Um, seems to have a kind of different um, relationship with its left. To, mm. to, to think. Um, Slovenia had a quite interesting party at one point um, that was a member of the European Green Party that was called the Youth Party of Slovenia, which kind of pitched itself very much at young people. And, and that was kind of a slightly since left Green Party as well, um, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are, there are a couple of exceptions in, in Central yeah. Eastern Europe, but uh, mm. not so many. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, Andres, I'm wondering if you know of any uh, any sort of right wing parties call themselves green. Um, any examples spring to mind? <laughs> yes, Mexico boasts um, the worst green party in the world, and I'm, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> I'm pretty confident about it. It's green only in name. It it was born like in the late '80s as a satellite of the PRI and has since been this satellite party that latches on to the party that it thinks is going to win the presidency because of the Mexican electoral system that allows for flexible coalitions, but also provides like caps on the number of um, PR seats that a party can have. Larger parties have a huge incentive to have these satellite parties in which they run and they, and they, they go on coalitions with them. So the Green Party has been very successful at like gaining, gaming the system in Mexico. It's also won a few governorships, um, but it's had these like absolutely crazy, like super far right proposals, such as um, instating the, the death penalty for rapists and murderers in Mexico, which actually got it expelled from the global, global Greens and, and had like a formal rebuke from the European Green Party's party. Um, it's also suggested that, um, I mean, it's had so many different crazy, um, crazy proposals, but for example, in, in, the, in, the, in the states where, it, where it's had governorships, it's allowed for open, open air mining. Um, it's also, <laughs> they've also been caught like providing, you know, they've been caught in tons of corruption scandals and they they were they also helped um, a set of like tourist resorts build on protected land. They've defended like the the television duopoly in Mexico. They're just an over overall 
awful, awful party. But larger, larger parties can't seem to, they're hooked on it because they, they do have like a, a clientelistic base and they, they can mobilize a quite not insubstantial portion of the vote. And they also do things that are, they're very shady. They're, they're, I guess they're kind of, um, so for example, in, in one of the presidential race, races, they went again, they, they, they coordinated pop stars to tweet out messages in favor of them and their candidates, which goes against Mexican electoral law, which doesn't allow for, um, which, you know, didn't allow for, for messages, social media messages, because it was so close to the election. There's like a three day um, period of silence. Um, and they paid these people under the table a lot of money for those messages. Mm. Anyway, it's a terrible, it's a terrible party. Um, and it, it it went in alliance with with the ruling party at the moment with Morena actually, and it has close to ten percent of Mexican, the Mexican Congress, and similar similar numbers in the Senate. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, they they make themselves like kind of indispensable for for the for the ruling yeah. party, and yeah. they're 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 responsible in the sense that they don't you know they don't they don't ever face up to their they're not they're never held accountable. There was a proposal yeah. to by the there was um there's a moment because because they had violated electoral law so consistently the electoral institute had at one point a discussion the board members as to whether or not their, their registration should be canceled oh. but the there weren't enough board members to support that that proposition but that you know that would have it would have probably been you know not in, in retrospect i don't know if that was the right decision or not legally but in terms of its effects, that would have probably been very good for Mexican, the Mexican political system. So mm-hmm. yes, the Mexican Greens are are awful, just terrible, and very yeah. far right. Yeah. So there, there are some other green parties of note in Latin America, right? So that like the the Brazilian Greens, for example. Um, we we had a conversation before the show about whether before the show about whether. The campaign in Ecuador by um oh I can't pronounce his name Andreas guy who came third in Ecuador. And uh, Yaku Perez. Yaku Perez. Yaku Perez. Oh, okay, okay, that was easier to. Oh, I think it was a party name. I think because it started. Oh, uh, Pachacuti. Pachacuti. Yeah, that, that I can't yeah. pronounce. Um, <laughs> kind of a mix of um like indigenous rights and and green themes. Um, so yeah, I, I, this stuff stuff comes up in most places to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, I think that was it. We covered it when we talked about the Ecuadorian mm. election. But um, he, in, in certain parts, especially I think in the Andes, um, indigenous movements, which have become important political players, have. Uh, in some cases, adopted um, environment the environmental agenda. Jacob Perez is definitely one of them, and he he was even he had even been arrested for having opposed a large uh, mining project under Correa. Um, so he was explicitly kind of a conservationist and a, in, uh, an environmentalist, but he wasn't running under a Green Party. But you're right; I think his movement, his party, the Pachacuti um, Party, could 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 be called a Green Party in many ways. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. Yeah, and I think possibly some of the kind of 
some of the left of um like of um the centre-left coalition parties in Chile have had some resemblance to green, green parties as well. They might not necessarily be running under the green party under green party banner because yeah. of the fact that these parties always kind of bring in other things, but like at the very least, you might call them like left libertarian or something that kind of like big catch-all, like kind of kitsch out used. Absolutely. No, and, and Chile has been, I mean, with the, is I think the, the rise of the, there's always been, of course, in Mexico and in Latin America, there's there's a reservoir of social activists who mm. have fought for environmental protection very bravely, sometimes at the cost of their life. Mm. But they, they oftentimes don't go into formal politics and they oftentimes don't have a party that will either represent them or, um, mm. or and they don't found their own parties. In the case of Chile, I think we're seeing a very quick rise of uh, environmental concerns within um, the new parties that broke into the scene after, you know, during the, after the social movements in Chile and the kind of um, the breakdown of its old party system and the emergence of the new party system. And, and the constitution where, where people, we, we covered this, right? Um, uh, the, the people who ran as 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 drafters of the constitution weren't necessarily allied to the new parties and a lot of them had very important environmental concerns and the draft of the chilean constitution that's been made public has incredibly important environmental um agendas within it right it's it's some some people call it the first constitution the first environmental constitution right mm, um, yeah there's been some interesting things. Yeah, that. which unfortunately doesn't look likely to uh, to pass <laughs> as well. Doesn't it? Yeah, and has has been yeah. Uh, so strenuously um, opposed by the Economist. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, constant articles in the Economist slating the Chilean constitutional convention. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. But there was there was a really lovely um, letter of support by like kind of left wing or center left um, economists like Zucato mm. um, and. And Piketty, who mm-hmm. who wrote in favor of the constitution, right? So that yeah. was also. But mm. yes, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's an uphill battle to get that approved in Chile. I have just checked. There is actually now two um, parties with the green label in uh, represented in Chile in the in the lower house. Um, oh yes, so, yeah, yeah they, the, I think they're quite small, but actually. yeah, yes, yeah, small ones, but yeah, came in. Uh, and presumably and. Uh, yeah, uh, is it the case in one case, uh, and I guess they're probably allied to other parties, but what, yeah. one came in with the alliance which um supported uh Boric, and then one was unaffiliated, but yeah, mm. they are quite small, yeah. um, yeah, which I suppose leads us into our discussion about where they do well, which is mm. something we've touched upon already. Um, so obviously. I think I think because I think I was looking into this recently that the I think the 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 highest total was actually in Luxembourg possibly for something that was unambiguously a Green Party in terms of just share of the vote. Obviously, the German share vote share of last year's election mm. has got a rate pretty near the top as well. I think the the Swiss Greens, the two of them together, also gained probably more than that. Um, yeah, nineteen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah the different parties. Yeah, the last Swiss election was seen as kind of a a, a, a big green wave election mm. in Switzerland. Um, yeah. So yeah, 
yeah. So within the, I mean, obviously, especially within Europe, so obviously in like the in Belgium, this is tend to do quite well. Austria, um, mm-hmm. the, the Nordics, as I know, we were talking about this before we came on as well, is a bit of a divide. So in um, they are represented in uh, in Finland and Sweden. Um, in Finland, they do actually quite well, and they have a yeah. Um, and now Norway just <laughs> yes. yes. Um, in Finland, also um, run under the name the Green League, which I always thought was a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty nice title. Um, yeah. it's the normal party. Um, but yeah, in, the, in in Denmark and Norway, they've never really been represented. Um, and this this has something to do with the characteristic of the um. The kind of left socialist parties in these countries so whereas yeah. uh norway and denmark have these um have these kind of parts of the socialist left in norway and the socialist people's party in denmark these parties which were kind of independent breakaways and have evolved this very very eco-socialist platform over the years um to the extent mm. in which that the, they basically became fairly similar to green parties yeah my, yeah, I mean, I would say that the Socialist People's Party is functionally just a Green Party. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We joined the European Greens at this point. Like, yeah, perhaps. and not only that, but it's also been it's also moved rightwards ideologically yeah. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part, in part because it was hoping to get mm. more power in government, but also because um, a competitor has arisen on its left. Yeah. Um, ironically, called the Red Green Unity List, which um, is basically formed out of people who are historically on the far left. Um, well, arguably still are on the far left. Mm-hmm. I mean, within it, within it, there's still like lots of platforms which describe themselves as a communist in some form or another. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So... But whereas, yeah, whereas Sweden and Finland, their left parties are communist successor parties. Yes, maintain a much more working class base and yeah, have yeah. some of that and a little bit of, kind of left, left populist. Yeah. yeah, by yeah. that obviously, yeah, yeah. The 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 red green unity list is is communist in a sense as well, but it it, mm. it people communist parties that weren't successful as opposed to ones that were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've, the best yeah, they've spawned green parties, and especially in Finland as well. There's not really been a proper liberal party for ages as well so there's been that kind of space yeah. that it's filled um yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah one of the things interesting things about the greens in finland is that they are strongest in helsinki uh-huh. and helsinki like some other nordic cities is actually kind of right-leaning <laughs> um, yeah. is like but helsinki is, has typically been a city over the last few decades where the Finnish Conservative Party, the Kokomos, has um, been the largest party. And then the Green League has been the second party. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Helsinki's weird. Um, yeah, it also has a huge student population as well. Like, the home to by yeah. far, the country's by far the yeah. biggest university yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, Nordic... Yeah, we'll we'll get to discussing this when we get to in more detail when we get to Sweden later in the year. Mm-hmm. So you can all look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's next month, isn't it? And so I say that, but it's it's coming up. Um, but yeah, slightly different kind of flavour to, to the political spectrum in Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. The right is often a lot more liberal than um, in, mm-hmm. uh, in other parts mm-hmm. of Europe. Yeah. Um, 
so yes those those i guess where they do the best um mm. so yeah so why why are these not prospering outside of these regions do we think so uh, but yeah my uh, my broad thoughts are so i mean there's the obvious which is like green parties tend to struggle more when the electoral systems don't favor them um things like that there's also you know where demographics don't favor them so i i mean one reason why latin america probably has fewer green parties is simply because green parties tend to arise when you get to a certain level of wealth yeah it's probably also the same with central and eastern europe um um because it's something that ha- it tends to come up when you get a kind of what 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 social sociologists and social scientists often refer to as the kind of new middle class people like academics and uh-huh. you know people like liberal middle class classes that are kind of highly educated but also quite values oriented um so um and then the third thing i would say is where space doesn't exist for a green party for some some reason or another in the in the so the, the kind of nordic split is a good example um because you have you've got countries where there basically wasn't a kind of party that was identified with kind of clear social liberalism you got countries that in cultural liberalism and you got countries that where they there were and so uh, they struggled much more in Norway and um and um and Denmark because of because of the existence and existence of what are often called the people's socialist parties um whereas they struggled less in 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 those other ones so yeah I think yeah certainly yeah the the Dutch Greens haven't done as well as other Greens in the region because of the existence of Democrat 66. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, um, they have a very similar electoral profile. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, so I think like the, where there's clearly a clustering of like, um, of where Green parties do well, and it's like Western Europe, a little bit of Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Curiously, mm. not in all um, developed, advanced democracies like nah. Japan or Korea, South Korea. There's some uh, green greens in, in Latin America, um, and very. I mean, at least for, uh, we. I'm referring to the article that I found on. It's actually pretty recent on the Council on Foreign Relations, written by James McBride. And he has a you know, he has a useful map of where Greens have broken into um, national legislatures. That's what I'm basing this off of. Um, so I think it, it's also like a matter of, of obviously, it's like demand and supply. The post-materialist thesis is a kind of demand side yeah. um, argument around when voters want uh, or are willing to vote for the green agendas. And then a supply side argument would be something like where do electoral systems and party systems have opening for um, like green parties, right? I think your point about the Netherlands is really interesting that um, Mm. it's a place where the electoral system, the party system and the sort of the sociological makeup of voters 
would predict maybe would we would expect like a more uh successful mm. green party but there's another party that's occupying that space and that is kind of already successful at doing it so you know that's crowded out the possibility for green parties in the u.s yeah. obviously there's i mean there is a green party but it's incredibly unsuccessful because of the oh. electoral system yeah. uh, the- i mean it's still one of the more successful third parties you know it's just yeah. not it's not saying much but <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure no absolutely um, um yeah. they got no, george bush that presidency uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get people within the democratic party who have you know very developed kind of green agendas the so-called green new deal which is um an aspiration a policy aspiration on the part of like people more on the left of the democratic party yeah um, which is something which has had like international recognition in many ways i mean you hear that talked about in europe a lot now as well I'd yeah yeah something in that although, like yeah although yeah. I have, yeah although i have to say one thing the green new deal is is a little bit as well like trying to smuggle in kind of general kind of left-wing policy preferences under the guise of environmental, <laughs> if you actually start looking into the things that are in the Green New Deals, um, there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't really have a, at least a very direct resonance with with, with, um, with environmentalism, which is fair enough. It's a strategy, obviously. I mean, that's why you call yeah. it a Green New Deal, but yeah, it does make me giggle a little bit. <laughs> I don't no, blame I, them for I, doing it. <laughs> ultimately, I think I, I mean, I kind of have a pet theory i don't know pet theory is the right word but i do think that like you know this this idea i think um it was werner muller or who was it or or i, I forgot or panitza who says that you know populism is always like the shadow of democracy if you want to be if you want to be electorally successful at some point you need to adopt like certain elements of populism i think the green new deal is doing exactly that right um, yeah yeah creating yeah. a kind of dichotomy between corporations who are uninterested in the environment versus the people who will suffer most from environmental collapse, et cetera. And, you know, that's not a bad route if you want to be successful in a democracy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Are there any, do you guys know of any places where green parties might not have been electorally successful, but they've been successful in changing the agenda? I'm thinking a kind of like UKIP Brexit type analogy. Um, I'm struggling to think of any, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, I guess the thing is, if I would probably tend to think of if you're if you if you're having a kind of successful environmental movement without a successful green party, it's probably because of NGOs rather than because yeah. of the green party. Um, so, like, I would say the UK, for example, is a country that actually is doing pretty well in comparison to a lot of other countries on environmental policy even with you know the conservatives jive up against you know people probably wouldn't imagine the conservatives as being terribly good on the environment but i and i'm not going to say that they're the best party on the environment or anything like that i (laughs) I, if you but under for all the things that people complain about one thing you can say for the conservatives is that we've basically under the, this government gotten um emissions down faster than almost any other country huh. so yeah. like 
yeah, it's uh, by no means Australia, that, is it? I mean, they yeah. they are actually doing stuff. Which is, yeah. And obviously, we don't have a particularly successful Green Party, but mm. um, we do we do have a fairly big environmentalist NGO sector. So I think that yeah. probably had more to do with mm. it. Uh, we, I think probably having Caroline Lucas like running around Parliament and things like that probably doesn't hurt. But mm-hmm. you know, getting getting voices. Of that are focusing in on this issue international debate in any way you can is obviously a positive thing but uh-huh. yeah. yeah um but yeah um well, and also the fact that that the uk has much better like political like campaign finance regulations than the us mm-hmm. i mean the us you know big corporations have so much power in the through campaigning through campaign finance that the republicans are basically no, not a single Republican voted for for the for the for the climate bill. Not a single would, one. Yeah, I would also say that um, with the UK, I think it's also very much a case that it's just not very many people have an economic interest in being anti-climate change anymore. Um, like, obviously, we have energy companies, we have an oil industry in in Scotland and things like yeah. that, but but very few people work it like, because. Because we've because of what happened to industry in this country in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, hardly anyone works in manufacturing sectors anymore. Those people who do work in manufacturing sectors are typically working in like high-tech manufacturing, where but like I mean, like one of the things that we funnily enough do manufacture is like is is we're actually pretty good on like wind farm technology. Um and which is partially to do with the fact that we've got a lot of wind. Um, so, like, um, so there's actually emerging industries in the UK, which um, there's more emerging industries in the UK that stand to benefit from a green transition than there are industries in the UK which um, look set to suffer from it. Yeah, I think it's probably mm-hmm. probably yeah. fair. Uh, so that which is obviously different to Australia, which with its massive mining sector, mm. um, or the US, like I mean, like West Virginia, for example, flipping from Democratic to Republican at a kind of incredible speed of knots. I think I struggle to imagine that that doesn't have a lot to do with the fact that it's the coal mining center of the United mm. States. <laughs> um, yeah, well, as I can see one of the few places in the UK where it does have a kind of where this has sort of entered politics as a bit of a sort of cleavage issue is in Scotland and in to a certain extent in that there is that oil industry in the northeast, which you do get the Conservatives messaging on a bit now in a Scottish mm. context of Scottish governments trying to shut this down um, too fast and it's going to kind of ruin livelihoods in this area. But outside yeah, yeah. of the context, then the industry is just not big enough to make an impact um yeah as like... the, the fact of the matter is, is as well that uh, the gas and oil industry in the north sea has not got that many years left to run anyway because mm. the reserves are running very low in in our part of the north sea and no, not for the norwegians um but yeah so mm-hmm. uh, it's not like it's not like they're fighting to kind of keep going they're basically almost extracting the last of what's available anyway yeah mm-hmm. um i think it was there's a really interesting there's work by a really interesting sociologist robert what robert brule i think was his name where he um he looked into different different think tanks that were funding 
climate change denial um, kind of policy briefs and how that got in and how and he mapped how different Republican senators were using those talking points and found that there was a lot of money um, that was coming obviously from, you know, a lot of kind of corporate interests. But then also that the strategy was in the United States to fund different theories around climate change denial and different, slightly different positions of climate change denial instead of just a kind of single unified one. But I think his work shows that, yeah, it's it's got to do with it's got to do with constituencies for fossil fuels, but it mm. also has to do with the connectors between companies and uh, like elected politicians, which are just so, they're so clear in the United States. The link is so strong. Um, mm. the, the electoral system, like the campaign finance rules seem to amplify or, or at least, you know, they, they don't obstruct private interests mm. lobbying for, for, their, for their interests in, in, in the legislature. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Robert Brohl. Anyway, nice. that's very depressing. <laughs> yeah. It's very depressing because if if you need if you need um if you need for in for there to not be a kind of fossil fuel interest for there to be successful green parties or green policies, then that that's that's a very that's very bad news for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, great. I mean, I suppose if we wanted to, we wanted to end on a on a high note. We should say that in sort of other Western countries, that there has been a general shift towards a greater acceptance of environmentalism, kind of across the spectrum. I would say, and, and, and even in the US, I would say. yeah, mm-hmm. even in the US. I mean, it, like one thing that's become notable for me is that. Um, you see much less outright climate change denialism than you used to, even on the US right. It's now kind of more pitched in terms of, well, you don't want them to take your SUV away from you, do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like we accept that climate changes exist, but like, like um, surely it's not so bad that like my pickup truck needs to go. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, that kind of messaging instead um so and that to me feel a lot feels like how you're winning the argument <laughs> in a sense it's just perhaps no, not that's very good quickly point. enough <laughs> um, yeah yeah there's so a very, we, we, sure. yeah it feels very much like we've reached a point where just like outright saying that climate change isn't real is now enough to kind of is now too silly an argument because people can see that as happening yeah um mm-mm. Um, yeah and i and i think i think as well i i i don't know whether to pitch this as an optimistic point or not but i mean broadly green parties are doing well and they're they're gaining they've been gaining support and you know we've had a over time that's fundamentally because of issue importance climate change is going up the agenda in terms of voters' priorities in basically every Western democracy, like every if you, and I, I think issue importance is like one of the most important things to kind of ways of judging um, judging um, who, like what's happening with politics at any time because like the issues that people are interested in are the ones that will shape their voting patterns, will shape 
political debates and so on and so forth. So the fact that climate change keeps going up and up and up the agenda is um, means that this issue is going to be debated more and more. Um, and, and ultimately, the people who vote for Green parties are typically the people who rank um, climate change as one of their number one priorities. So I think regardless of whether you have a strong Green Party or not, or whether you think that environmentalism, that Green Party is even the best route to kind of secure good environmental ends, like that happening is probably good for you know making things happen on on in this policy area. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, I think maybe we can wrap up there on a on a slightly positive point then. Um, yeah. So I think we'll, we're next week we will be back. I think discussing the uh, Kenyan elections. That's some kind of regular coverage. Um, but yeah, I hope people have, uh, have enjoyed that bit of a dive into into green politics. And um, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.